It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 139 of the DC Primetime Podcast. From the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. We're coming to you slightly late, later than we usually are, uh, as we usually record on Sundays and post-Monday mornings. But this time we are recording on a Monday evening uh, due to some weekend plans and posting literally as soon as I get this edited, it's going to be posted. So mm-hmm. you, some of you might be listening to it later on Monday night. Uh, some of you will be listening to it Tuesday morning. For the delay, we apologize, but we, uh, Rob and I had some plans with some other people this past weekend that just completely burned us out. And yeah, we decided we're, we're, we're just going to go a day late. Yeah, yeah, it was it just made it made life easier. So <laughs> yeah, we're st- I think we're still both a little. A oh little, yeah, but, but it is all good. It was it was just a very painfully long day at work today. So oh, you know, I can imagine. Um, and I had a uh, painfully Friday, uh, painfully yeah. long Friday. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, some of you will uh, notice the title of this episode, which Rob <laughs> was the one that encouraged me to name it. I I demanded it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the title being Ben's Slabside Redemption, which um, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but if you know what that title refers to, you have an idea of what my Friday might have entailed. <laughs> uh, you didn't do anything bad. I, yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, it was just due to some... There was a clerical error that yeah. landed you in prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, sorry, well, a holding A holding cell, cell not prison. I, I was, yes, due to a clerical... It makes you sound more hardcore if we say you were in prison. <laughs> That's true. Yes, but due to a clerical error from 2010, by the way, uh, I ended up in a holding cell for about eight hours on Friday, which was not fun at all. Uh, and I'm still, I, I, I'm not confused about it now. I'm more angry than anything that the whole thing happened, and it's it's going to entail process with lawyers and things like that to kind of get the the record set straight and don't worry i'm not going to prison i'm not being arrested nothing like that uh it it has been determined it was a clerical error but i still have to go to the courts to get it straightened out which is not a pain in the ass yeah, yeah it is it's just a major pain in the ass but hey glad it happened now and not while i was like driving and pulled over for like speeding or something because then they rip you out of your car and take you. Yeah, that's seriously. even more of a hassle. This time they just showed up and pounded on my front door, <laughs> which was still not fun. Yeah. So, but 
Anyway, I digress. Now you know the story behind the Ben's Slapside Redemption title of this episode. Thanks, Rob. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but three shows to talk about this week, as per usual. Supergirl, Arrow, and The Flash. Uh, and then we're going to be getting some shorter episodes uh, over the course of the next couple weeks as this current week, Flash is on break. Uh, the following week, Arrow and Flash are on break. And then the week after that, I think for about two weeks, all of the shows are on break. break. However, I believe Legends returns during that time. Legends comes back next week, uh, April 1st. So Yeah, so we are still going to have uh, podcasts so, talking about shows. Right, so... Uh, uh, Monday night uh, is Legends Return. So Okay, yeah, so for about two weeks in there, we're just going to be talking about Legends. I'm not sad about this. Uh, no, <laughs> especially considering uh, your opinion where we actually differ on one of the episodes this week. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into that. So let's go through and give each of these shows our one of three-point ranking as we usually do, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. Starting first with Supergirl Season 4, Episode 15, you know where I stand. I'll say it anyway, but I know you and I stand in the same place. What do you give this? Sidekick, hero, or legend? It should be zero surprise, but man, oh man, uh, Supergirl gets a legend from both of us. And oddly enough, you and I are both right on our prediction last week. Mine, part of it was part of a joke, and it turned <laughs> out to be true. And then you had your prediction, and that was right as well. Yes. And we're like, holy crap. <laughs> so, um... One character, we were like, no, this person's going to come back. Hey, look, uh, he actually did come back. <laughs> yep. Hey, the person that we're at, we, you were like, this is the person, and I changed my mind. I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's the person. And that was right, too. So uh, kind of awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the things I told you, too, is with the, uh, with the Primer Awards coming out this summer, uh, I felt this is potentially an episode for uh, a episode of the year candidate. And... I still feel that way even after watching it again. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's until we know the end of the season. Um, I, it's a high chance that could be in there. But like I said, uh, they keep surprising me week after week, and I haven't watched last night's episode yet. So I haven't either. Um, so it could just be an amazing continued run. So yep. we'll see. Uh, next up, we have Arrow, Season 7, Episode 16. This is the one we differ on. Not much, but we differ. Uh, what do you give this one? Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Oh, man, Arrow. <sighs> they went for three for three for me. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure at this point in time, it's going to be four for four. Um, <laughs> sidekick for me again. Wow. That's, yeah. I think this uh, is the first time in the course of seven seasons it's been this low for this long for you i'm pretty sure it'll probably continue because man oh man um i i probably shouldn't <laughs> talk about arrow <laughs> i'll put it that way uh yeah uh, you know what though i'm giving in the hero i i know i was pretty low on my rankings for the past couple weeks uh, for the past two weeks but this week I, it did not bother me nearly as much there were some things that i actually did not mind about this episode i'm Be not honest you were you were stoned and drunk when you watched it <laughs> no not at all Aww. um but i you know there were some things i kind of enjoyed this episode did not bother me uh as much as the past two weeks have so um we'll see if it holds up and it keeps going but uh, and last we have The Flash, Season 5, Episode 17, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Uh, middling hero, um, maybe even kind of a low-tier hero. 
I did not think this was a good episode. <laughs> so actually, you know what? I'm going to go low hero. Uh, not quite in the sidekick category. Not far off, though, in my opinion. Um, it was the, the end was just enough to save it. Okay. So. Uh, Mid-hero for me. Uh, I didn't say, um, I'm not saying there was a, a lot about this episode I loved, but there wasn't anything uh, I that really, truly disappointed me. So for that reason, I, I got to go right in the middle and just say mid-hero. Okay. Uh, all right, let's go back to the beginning. I feel bad talking about this one first because... Because we loved it. All right, so let's much. save. Let's see. Well, we're gonna switch it up. Let's save that one to the end. Because if I talk about this, then I'm just not gonna want to do the rest. And of that's the show. yeah. And that's what I think. Like I, I, I want to save the best for last this week. So let's yeah. Let's switch things around. We're gonna save Supergirl for last because there's a lot to kind of break down a little bit in Supergirl with the first appearance of Lex in this universe. So well, I mean, it's very possible. We, it's not going to be a lot to have to talk about because the way they've been writing synopsis is recently, we're going to be like, yep, that's pretty much everything. <laughs> so that's, that's very true. Uh, so let's get the lowest out of the way and then we'll kind of make our way to the top. So we'll do arrow flash and then Supergirl if that works. Sure. Okay. Uh, so then starting off first, we have Arrow Season 7, Episode 16, Star City 2040. Mia and William go on a dangerous mission. Dinah, Roy, and Zoe deliver some devastating news. Flash forwards share highlights from Mia's childhood with Felicity. Okay, first off, I, this is the first time I'm reading that synopsis. Technically, because the whole episode takes place in 2040, those are not flash forwards. They're now flashbacks. Yes. Mia's childhoods with Felicity, they're technically flashbacks not flash forward. So boo on you, IMDB, because you got that wrong. So, um, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where we can start with this because I know, all right, I, you know, I know where we'll start. Let's just get this out of the way. You're giving this one a sidekick. Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest problems you had with this episode? Mia is the worst character <laughs> ever it is everybody's like oh my god yay we had the illicity baby and i know so many people were excited about that i was not one of those people and i didn't try to go into it stating because you never know you may actually really really like a character they took the worst qualities of felicity and oliver and managed to make a character out of it and i'm like no to stop every time she spoke acted everything everything about that character i despise buys <laughs> i i mean i she has no redeeming qualities whatsoever and she's obnoxious I, I just i have nothing positive to say about her as a character and the fact that she was such a heavy focus made it all the more painful <laughs> so all right I, I i generally thought she brings absolutely nothing positive to the show one bit so. okay was that the i i don't think that was probably the only thing you you didn't like about this episode or was it really just because she was a large focus of the episode and you don't like the character that was really what turned you off most of it uh that and i also don't think it's humanly possible to have more melodramatic cliched writing i've ever seen in dialogue sequences ever <laughs> in right. a show i think it just it, it, they got to a point where they didn't have any cliches to go to so they went and started lifting lines from spider-man and that's just so you're <laughs> like what are you doing just stop. Even Spider-Man doesn't like to use that line anymore. Like, they they even kind of joke about that in Into the Spider-Verse. Like, no, nah, we're not going to say the line. We all know the damn line. Yeah. And Arrow's just like, let's use the line. And Mike, everybody's like, don't don't use the line. Just, we, just don't. Yeah, because even, even when that line happened, 
Uh, even that was that was even a moment for me where when you know when Connor says to me, uh, you know, with great uh, what's it's with um, with great, with great power, power comes yeah. great responsibility, and I was like, really. That's the line you went with. You're and the cr- thing is, they tried to use it in a serious way and in a serious moment. And I'm like, it doesn't work. You can't do that because even we're in the same universe where, like, they use it on the flash with great, uh, you know, great power. And then somebody like, don't just don't say it <laughs> yeah. or or they'll twist it. And this show doesn't have the smarts to not do that. And that's that is proof positive to me that Arrow is just swinging at the fences at this point and nothing's sticking nothing's hitting yeah you know what it's it makes me realize too that and and i want to i want to apologize because one thing that rob and i don't want to do is for the people that listen to us that love arrow and we know they're out there we don't want to turn you guys off of listening to us because we're trying to because we don't want to come off as har as arrow haters and i'm not trying to oh, I, I know i generally critically looking at it is is i think the show is in horrible danger so well i mean and here's the thing though and and this is what worries me and because i said last week that i hope that you know when it comes to season eight only being 10 episodes they're going to pull out all the stops and they're going to try and go out at the top of their game as they can but i kind of feel like the writers knowing full well that this was most likely going to be their final full season kind of got lazy a little bit knowing that well even if the writing's bad there's no risk in getting canceled because we're ending anyway yeah and i I, i'm kind of there with you they generally felt like they're like well let's just get through this season you know what we'll we'll pull out all the stops next year yeah we can just we can just coast and that's exactly you're right. That's exactly what this feels like. Yeah, and we can. And, and, you know, coasting is another good way to put it, too. Let's just coast through season seven to get through that 10 eight and we can concentrate on making Arrow what it was in for those 10 episodes and going out on top. The problem with that is, yes, that is something that, you know, yes, you can do because there's no risk of you getting canceled, but you're risking losing viewers because no one's going to want to tune in to to watch the end if they're not into it now. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I generally don't know how you save this season. I, I generally, I, my personal opinion is the future stuff doesn't work. I, I argued that well back earlier in this season when we started doing it. I'm like, what's the purpose of any of this? It's kind of this all for not kind of stuff. And then we argued it several ways and times and said, well, okay, I, I understand because you're you've got to play to all the things that have happened and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I do I do get it. I still think it's really bad framing and maybe they can make it work. I'll give it all the benefit of the doubt. And I gave it the benefit of the doubt as long as I could. And I still have given some of my favorite scores and reviews to an arrow season or shows this season. Um, and I generally don't think that they had anything left in them after writing those two strong episodes. I think they felt like they're, they were just going to pull out of the stops. I have a feeling they're going to have a really great finale this year. I do too. I really um, do. Because it's going to be setting up something big. Uh, but I think the journey to get to that point, it's going to be like pulling teeth. I really do. Now, I mean, 
talking a little bit more about the actual story itself and not what we feel is wrong with the the series as a whole you know there were there were a couple things that were left lingering with this episode we we you know we do find out at one point and this is where I'm wondering if they know exactly where they're going or if it is just a little bit of lazy writing or if it's a little bit of both. You know, we know we're predicting now that Oliver is most likely going to be the sacrifice when it comes to Crisis on Infinite Earths next year. That's why they're doing a shortened season. Uh, and that's why they've kind of hinted at the fact that Oliver is not around in 2040. However, in legends of tomorrow we do know that he does eventually show up in the future i think 20 49 2049 we see him with one arm uh and he is once again alive these flash forwards in 2040 haven't shown us any instance of oliver not only that but seeing mia growing up training with um with nessa agul and you know there's no the only oliver we get is when she is being born in this episode Mm -hmm. There's no instance of him around, although there are moments when they talk like he is still alive. They say, like, who your father is and not who your father was. I think that's done purposely. Oh, yeah. To... I mean, that was that was to be able to dodge around the, the purpose and point uh, and to try to kind of throw people off. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, you know, I, I think there's no question about it that you and I both firmly agree that Oliver's bites at the end of crisis yeah um uh, well which will be and again i'm still calling it it will be episode nine of arrow next year and, and gr- then they'll have him return in 2040 2049 yeah. whatever it may be i think i think that's i think that's the same too actually i think he'll probably be back before 2049 he's just he's been back by by the time we see him in 2049 he's been it'll be like 2041 because they'll continue the future story through because they even said best Schwartz said she was continuing the flash forwards uh, in the framing next year. Um, so that was part of it, which okay. I think is a mistake. But, uh, hey, okay. Um, you know, you do you. So Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that I did find interesting, too, is towards the end of the episode, Renee is not aware that Oliver and Felicity had a baby. Yeah, yeah. So, they said they were keeping it quiet. So it sounds like the only person we know that even knew or at this point in time is Diggle. Uh, you know, we found that out not this episode we just had, but the week beforehand, uh, Dig brings it up real quickly. So it's probably going to just be that quiet, quiet secret uh, that'll continue on. That'll just be the OTA members that knew. But it seems like also at the time of Mia's birth, they're kind of away somewhere. They're in a cabin somewhere out in the country having, you know, for Felicity to give birth to Mia. And it, it, I'm wondering why, like how they're going to get around that. Because, uh, I mean, how do you hide having a baby? Um, that will happen probably the episode before the crossover next year. Uh, that's probably what it'll be. It's just they go away. Um, things go horribly wrong somewhere between now and the end of the season where they go into hiding for some odd reason because the individual anti-act and all the stuff. The Let's Be Cops game does not work out too well for them in some way, shape or form. So, and, may, so maybe that's how the season ends, is them actually having to leave Star City. Probably, and that's my guess, is they have to leave Star City by the end of the season to be able to get to where they're going to get to. Um, and we'll see the birth happen. Um, the episode, to the, the episode again, right, probably right before the crossover. That way then the death happens, and then it's going to be character reactions, the episode after, funeral for a friend kind of thing, jump to the future, 
Star City 2041 and he returns. Okay. So. All right. Now I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what, though? On top of it, uh, you know, again, I enjoyed the episode a little bit more than I usually did. I think the fight scene, and this is just a testament again to what Arrow does well, uh, especially with Bamford being the director of this episode. Uh, the fight scenes again were pretty spot on for me. Uh, you know, there's the scene with Catherine, uh, you know, with Mia taking on, uh, you know, the security guards when they're chasing after the CEO of that company at the end. I thought the fight scenes were pretty, really well done. But yeah, I mean, other than that, it was just a mediocre episode. There wasn't a lot of, you know, you, you find out about the bombs, how they stopped them. You get instances of future tech. And the only other thing that really came out of this episode for me was the Archer program, which turns out is some kind of AI that Felicity has in the present day developed. I'm guessing is most likely the home security system Yeah, that they gave AI. Yep, and pretty much. And that's, that's all it is, is... Uh, she made her millions creating the Archer program. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty much what it's going to be. And probably where Smoke Tech came out of that. And because we did get mention of Smoke Tech, even though she's not there, she's working at it from wherever they're living at the time in the country. Yeah. The little cabin somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think for me, it was again, too. I I just thought the, it was just really ham fisted, very cliched writing. I thought the acting just felt painful in a lot of scenes. It was not just one. It kind of really reminded me of, a lot of the the dialogue decisions and and character interactions reminded me horribly of Collision Course, where it was just it was just like wow. I mean, you guys are just you guys know how to act, and apparently the director didn't know how to direct, uh, <laughs> and that's what it felt like. It was just kind of like hey, we we we're gonna take one more than one take on all of these scenes, right? And they said, nah, huh? No, not really. I think we're fine. Uh, we got it. The lighting was good. We're good. Um, and that's what it kind of felt like nonstop and. I don't know if it's just me, um, but the God, the old age makeup looks horrendous. <laughs> it looks so bad in every scene it's in, it, whether it's the way that they're lighting it or whatever. But it just, it just, just does not look good. And I understand old age makeup is hard to do on people. It's everybody says, and you know, I've I've dabbled in special effects work. Uh, everybody says it's the hardest makeup to do, and I don't disagree with that in it whatsoever. But man, it just looked horrible. I. I, I, I I disagree with you on Colton's. I don't think Colton's looks that bad. Colton's is the only one that doesn't look bad, but I mean, like, but the, but the, Renee, oh my god, Renee, Renee, Felicity, and, and Dinah, they 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 did a, a bad job of it, and you can tell it too. And again, it's something you look for. It's like when you work in a tattoo shop and you can look at somebody's tattoo and be like, wow, the person that was working on you just does not know what they're doing. <laughs> um, it's the same way when you look at that because like when light hits things certain ways, you can see lines, you can see a weird gloss, uh, this very weird, rough, plasticky film, all this stuff. And I, all I could do is, and it might be because of the fact that I've played with that stuff a lot, um, that I can see it. And it, it was it looked bad like it's it's the continuation and you know of the arrow versus bad wigs and sometimes horrible makeup <laughs> um and it's it just continued on here but yeah it's i you know i won't give it i think a a two or something like that but i, I can't give this in my opinion more than a 3.5 so no, i mean and and that's fine i mean and when it comes to the makeup i agree i i didn't i've never dabbled in that and i agree with you completely i think yeah uh, Renee looks like he's a stage actor doing, getting ready to do like a high school play. 
Uh, yeah, know. and that's kind of what it looks like nonstop when you look at all of them. I mean, like Felicity, like they touch don't touch any part of her face except the, her like the her the crow's feet that they created on her, and then they like make her forehead just they they're like, well, like, let's just stick some saran wrapper on her forehead. No one's gonna <laughs> notice. And they're like, it, it'll just make her look older. And I'm like, oh my god. Let's do that, I mean, and then we'll and let's do that, and then we'll give her the Rachel haircut from Friends of the '90s. Uh, yeah. you know, but even though this is the year 2040, we'll give her a nineties haircut. Yeah. I, but I, it's, I mean, I, for me, I, I can, I just generally feel that arrow is just, they're not writing that show for me anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and that's fine if they're writing it for other people that are still thoroughly enjoying it. But I can say from the reasons that I enjoyed this at the start are not the reasons I enjoy it now. So, so. Nope. I agree. Um, Going to some listener feedback, uh, our friend, our buddy Shad posted on the Facebook page. So when I watch Supergirl and The Flash, I'm super invested. When I watched this episode of Arrow, I did laundry. Uh, and then the Felicity plot twist hit. I just laughed. There was a Felicity plot twist? I didn't even... Oh, it was the Archer thing at the end. Oh, yeah, that wasn't even really that big of a twist for me. Yeah. Uh, no. It's been a running joke for the past few weeks about the Suicide Squad. I mean, Task Force, uh, Task Force X, <laughs> X, I mean, Ghost Initiative. And then the show <laughs> goes and rips off a plot twist from the Suicide Squad movie. So, yeah, you know, even, you know, some of the listeners, some of our listeners are feeling the same way about uh, Arrow. It's just I know there are still people out there that love the show. Yeah, and, and that's that's OK. I I. I, I'm trying to be as quick to my points as, as I can, and that's that's all I can do. Uh, but I have to still give a review. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, I'm reviewing a show that no longer speaks to me, and it's really difficult to go in without any um, objection to having to watch something you don't want to watch. No, I agree. Um. And it's 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 difficult. It's very very difficult. And I've tried, um, and I've, I've really. But I mean, I think the reasons I also give it a low score is we're down to six episodes, and we've only had three minutes of the big bad of the season. Uh, and not not only that, but you have six episodes left. You have one more this week, and then you're taking a three week break. Mm -hmm. You know and. It's, when you, it's, it's, when it's you a come, lot of not smart moves. And when you come back from that break, it, you better be going balls to the wall. I mean, and that's really the only way you can even come close to saving this season. Yeah, um, and I I think this season's a wash. Um, I, I really don't think that there's anything they're going to be able to do to make me invested at that point. Um Again, it, it's it's a shame, but I, I think it's it is too late. It is actually actually at this point in time, I think it is it is too late. So you, in in my opinion, season eight being ten episodes next season, the only way you are going to keep my attention is your season. <clears throat> you can has, you has can, to be flawless. <laughs> well, not only that, but you can do something other than infinity crisis on infinite earths but you have to make your season you have to use it to build towards a you know, crisis and you have to, even if you do another major character arc 
it's got to be something so strong and so concentrated that you one you can wrap it up in eight or nine episodes because otherwise you're just going to leave it open-ended or two you have to use season and just primarily and use it as a primer for crisis on infinite earths yeah if Um, all these other shows are going to do full seasons and they're going to continue to do seasons past crisis and you're the only show that's ending at crisis then you should use your eighth season to be the catalyst for crisis on infinite earths yeah but hey you know what it we will see we will absolutely see and it's like i said don't get me wrong there's a lot of characters in the show i thoroughly like uh, and love and can be written fantastically. They just they don't know how to do it this season, apparently. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. And, and again, this is absolutely nothing against the actors. No. It, well, there's one that maybe is, <laughs> on your opinion. There's one that I just generally, I, I think, is just a lot of dead weight. Um, and it's it's not anybody who's been with this show for the long for the long haul. So No, no. I just think know. there's generally one 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 actor that is... Uh, bringing the weight of of certain plot lines down very heavily. But I mean, other than that, everybody that's been with this show for the long haul and even people that have come on board a couple seasons ago, uh, you know, like Rick Gonzalez and such, like Thayer and Juliana Harkavy, we love these actors. Our criticisms of this show do not reflect on them at all. Uh, So don't think that we hate these actors. We're big supporters of them. Uh, You know, I've met a number of them. Uh, They're fantastic it's just the writing this season has been weak. Yeah, very, it, it's, very weak. It's been it's been poor. Um, again, two episodes does not make a good season. No, and I kind of feel bad, uh, in all honesty, for um, uh, who's the showrunner? Um, Beth Schwartz. Beth Schwartz, because she took over this season, and it's not a great. It's it's not reflecting well. Oh, she didn't take it over. This was her first season running the show. Um, so, so maybe she uh, is kind of, she is responsible that this was, she took over last year, uh, or going into this year, this was going to be her first year and she's running the show next year. And I generally, uh, hope she can come up with something cool. So we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Uh, this coming week, uh, tonight, actually, at the time that we're recording this, uh, the next episode, Inheritance, uh, Laurel learns some. Uh, Laurel learns about some damaging information that affects Emiko. Uh, always looking to protect his sister, Oliver invites Laurel to help investigate, which makes Felicity happy as her friend is now working with the team. So uh, it's going to be a big Laurel and Arrow, uh, Laurel and Oliver centric episode. So we'll see if maybe it can turn us around a little bit. Yeah, I hope so. Um, like I said, I would like to have a positive episode to watch. So <laughs> At this point, though, you're not getting your hopes up. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. Uh, all right, next up we have The Flash, uh, Season 5, Episode 17, Time Bomb. Team Flash finds out that suburban mom Vicky Bolin is in danger, and they race to save her. They discover she's a metahuman who is hiding her abilities from her family. Barry encourages Vicky to share the secret with her family. Wow, that synopsis leaves out a lot. Uh, they they don't mention Cicada 2.0 at all. They don't mention um, uh, Excess's secret coming to light by the end. So yeah, there's a lot that that synopsis really. Um, but, but you you just did a really good job of adding them into the synopsis. So, I did. Ta-da! Uh, yeah. So we're done. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Supergirl. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, again, I gave this a mid hero. You gave it a low tier hero. Yeah. Uh, so uh, 
there were some things about this episode, and it's the I think you hit the nail on the head when we were doing before when we we're talking before giving it a rating is that it's really the end that kind of saves a lot of this episode because it is something that has been lingering for a while and and that is um uh, uh Nora's secret that she's been hiding that she's been working with Eobard and it has finally come to light by the end of this episode and not only does it come to light by the end of this episode but it is it is a very difficult episode to watch it's a very difficult scene to watch and one of our listeners did mention this in in a feedback and we'll get to that in a little bit in that this is it's it's very short but the look in barry's eyes when he feels betrayed by his own daughter is is a tough scene to watch yeah it really was I, that was i think because we've been waiting for that to play off so long, and the, well, there was general betrayal on the face of Team Flash. Yeah, I mean, and, and there was no second guessing. It, it was because, and I, I think it would be one thing if they found out that Nora's Nora's been lying to them about some, about why her why she was there, but because of the fact of who she was involved with. It being Eobard, Eobard being the one who killed his mother, uh, you know, and caused so much havoc in his life that I think that was more heartbreaking than anything else. Oh, him. yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're you, you've hit the nail on the head. And I think that was, again, that strong enough scene that kind of elevated what I probably would have said. It was a sidekick episode into probably a five, like a four point five or to a five like it. It was just enough to save it because it was such a strong reaction. and it, But it was the right reaction. It was the reaction that was necessary, especially after – and I make no bones about it. Um, I, I felt – and I think you've agreed that that plot line was dragging on a little too long on the buildup to that secret being unveiled. So, Well, it's not just that. Not just the storyline of the secret – uh, being unveiled was a plot line that, that's dragging out. But I think the Cicada storyline's been playing out way too long as well. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's they, they made the mistake of introducing Cicada in the first episode of the season. And I, I I think these shows do do it best when they have some time to kind of build up. And occasionally, like, you, you get lightning in a bottle and you get that the playwright. Like, you look at Supergirl and, like, they, they managed to make the Ben Lockwood character a really, truly great villain early on. Um, and I mean, they pulled the wool over our eyes a little bit because of some other things happening. But um, it, we felt like, hey, even if that was our big bad, it was perfect and it still worked. Um, we were getting a little tired of Cicada uh, a good, by mid, the mid-season finale. So, Yeah. I mean, and, and so, you know, we're still in the Cicada storyline now, although they've they've kind of shifted it to a secondary Cicada in Gracie from the future. We do now find out how exactly she came from the future and that it seems like I don't think they explained it exactly, but we do see the time uh, the the I forget. We, what they we, call we it. saw Eobard's uh, the basically the time ship that he was going to use. Yeah. Um, they they pulled it from the the archives. <laughs> That's it. Uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah. We 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 and we know that she pulls it from uh, the archives from Star Labs in, in the future, where we see them test a theory, the Shazam protocol. Yes, uh, as uh, as you reminded me, as Cisco um, calls it. Yes, right. So uh, so we do see them. We found out how she gets back. So Matt, now I I think there's still going to be more to explore with that 
Um, yeah, yeah. Because you know we're gonna find we're gonna have to find out how Gracie knows about the star um, the Star Labs archive or Starchive, uh, and is she? I still think there's more to this with Cicada as well because I highly doubt somebody can just walk into that labs uh, start you know the Starchive and know how to use a time ship. Yeah, uh, I think Eobard is involved in this as well and i think we've been saying this for a little while too and that yes we've gotten cicada we now have cicada 2 I, I think there is a mastermind behind all this and i think it's eobard it's very possible i mean it's it's the question of how this is all going to play off but i mean like i said i would not put it past past him as well and i think you're you're probably right that he is manipulating this because nora gets to that point where after dwyer's killed and we see you know because we'll Grace does kill Dwyer at a certain point this episode when he's just kind of like, nope, I, I don't want you to do this. Uh, and she's like, nope, I'm 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 staying on the path. And she snaps and, and, and kills her uncle. But, you know, when all this goes down, Nora's kind of looking looks at it and is kind of like, I don't know what to do. And Yabard looks at her in the future and says, there's only thing one left to do. It's time to tell your father. If you don't feel that that was part of his plan from the beginning, then... I, I think I think something's something's off if that that wasn't part of it. I yeah. can't imagine he didn't have already that piece planned. And I think and I think that's probably the case. I think he knew about Cicada two going back, uh, you know the the future Gracie going uh, going back. And I think that with Excess's help, the Flash would have been able to defeat her. It was part of his plan to tell Nora. To, for Nora to tell Barry everything, knowing full well that Barry would lose trust in her, uh, mm -hmm. meaning that it would be very much more difficult for him to stop Cicada, yeah. to stop the Gracie version of Cicada without Nora. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you're right. I think, and uh, you know, and that's what we've been saying kind of for a little while. It's been an overarching theme in this whole thing with Sherlock trying to read Nora's journal uh, with the line, the timeline, uh, the timeline is malleable. And another word for malleable is manipulative. And I think that's exactly what he's doing. He's manipulating the timeline for his needs. Yeah. And it's to save himself in one way, shape, or form. I, and and it, I would not be surprised if it's not just to save him himself, but uh, to kind of, I think this could also be another potential catalyst for crisis. Yeah, I think that's a big possibility. And maybe this whole move, and we see, I, I don't think it was a it was a shock or a surprise that there is that time ship now back in this present timeline, a second version of it, because maybe that now means it's a way for Eobar to get back because now there's another one ditched somewhere else. Um, and we know he's always been trying to get back home to his timeline. And if this is the way to do it, then this is the way to do it. So, But how would he be able to do that, though, if he's in 2046 or – whatever time but, whatever it is and that one's still in the there's two in 2019 yeah but now that means there's two in 2046 oh that's a good point i not yeah not from when grace was there so or technically in a weird uh we'll use the back to the future line fourth dimensional way there's yeah technically three so yeah because um, the one is still there at that there's time. the one from the starchives uh, which was now brought back into the past at some point in time. So that means one has to stay there into the Starchive's point. It just goes dis it just disappears from time at that point in time. 
when it's taken by grace. So it's now it maybe a pop possibility or an opportunity now for Eobard to use the one that was brought back to 2019 at a different point in way. Yeah, because so. I don't see them I don't see them sending Grace back to the future. Right. They're going to defeat her. Yeah, and it's the question of how that's going to work because or they're going to find a way to basically erase her from the timeline um by finding a way to heal her in some way shape or form well, in the if, hospital. But if that's so. the case then the time ship also returns. Because the time ship, if they heal her in the present day by administering the administering the cure to her, then she never took that in the future. It's possible, but we've also had time remnants and all these other little things. And yeah, that it maybe gets it's so possible. confusing. It's possible <laughs> that they still have a way to use it before it disappears. So, because um, we've seen things when things like that change, things aren't instant always. So, you know, we did see when Eddie Thawne shot himself. Yes, that version of Eobard disappeared, but. We've also seen other times where things from the future have gotten wiped out and there was a little bit of time or just enough time for them to do something with. Um, like especially when we saw them come up and create the cure and they go back in the 100th episode and grab a piece of Savitar's suit and take it back to the past and or take it to the future after it was destroyed. All these little things. So it's uh, very curious to see how it's going to play out. So Yeah. I just at some point now with all of this that's happening, Cisco or Ralph, somebody at some point needs to say you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. Uh, yeah, pretty much. At this point. <laughs> it's it's just gotta be said because that's pretty much what it's coming down to. Yeah. Uh but I mean I think that kind of really covers all the most part of it. I mean, like I said, you know, we do see Grace gunning after, you know, the one mother who it turns out to be a meta because that person's responsible for killing her parents. Um, you know, it was this meta that basically didn't realize that they had powers and overloaded an ATM that later blew up and killed Grace's Grace's folks, which leads to Grace ending up with her uncle. Uh, and it's this, that classic revenge story. But I mean, I think beyond that, though, it didn't really do anything to add to her her villainy, uh, I think, at all or make her more of a threat than we saw from her the other week. So. No, I agree with you. I don't really think it's done anything to kind of make her any more imposing. Uh, no. She's still the same level villain that she was since we were introduced to her last week. And um, I really don't know what else they can do, if anything, to make her more imposing short of killing one of Team Flash. Yeah, I don't much. see that happening. Yeah, and I think I think that's just going to be the case is I think it's there's. I think they need to get that part wrapped up so we can find out what's really going on. So. Yeah, I mean, because, like, even if she were to go around killing another meta human or two because of her, you know, the vendetta about it, um, it, okay, another meta died. Like, it's not a big deal to us unless it's one of the major metas, which it's not going to be. Yeah. So I think she's about as imposing as she's going to get. Yeah, I think so. And again, the big mystery of this season really is what's going on with Eobard. And I think that's going to become start start becoming more and more and more of a focus. Well, Cicada kind of becomes essentially the villain of the week character in the through line as we unravel that mystery. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and um, uh, we, we got a wrap up to to the Orlin story, because as you mentioned, Gracie does end up killing Orlin uh, in this episode. And which, you know, I'm I'm kind of glad that he did a little bit of a redemption and, and tried to prevent Grace from being that kind of person and, you know, trying to plead to her about it and, you know, saying that that mother wasn't her fault. Her pet, you were realizing that, you know, his vendetta was 
was ill and it wasn't supposed it shouldn't have been uh so we did get a little bit of a redemption arc from orlin uh by the end of it and i'm happy about that but i, I don't think we're going to get one from gracie at all i think we're just going to see a villain defeated and you know with the flash being off this week i i, I think we it would have been nice if we gotten a wrap to the cicada storyline this week and then next week focus on whatever the true plot of the season is, whether it be Eobard or something else. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Cicada stuff take a backseat in the next episode. So, Probably. So, But we shall see. Indeed. Um, going into some listener feedback, we had, um, as I mentioned, one of our listeners had mentioned the um, the look in Barry's eyes. Give me I'm, I had the thing up and I closed it. Uh, so give me like five seconds to just pull it back up. Uh, our buddy Shad also left uh, left us some feedback on that. He says, I'm super invested in the Nora half of the storyline, but I'm so over the Cicada half. That aspect is starting to feel a lot like the weaker seasons of Arrow. Dwyer's change of heart didn't feel earned at all. Okay, he disagrees with me. Uh, uh, I, 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 I'm kind of on Shad's part. It was just kind of too little, too late. So okay, uh, Grace killing him was predictable. Standard bad guy move, and her character motivation feels very flat and uninspired. I'm so ready to move on from any version of Cicada. That I agree with. Uh, and then my uh, listener Mike Hackney said, "I enjoyed it, and I'm digging future Gracie." So he's on the other side of it. Uh, kind of see the death coming, though, but still, wow, she killed Uncle Orlin. Sherlock revealing uh, Nora's secret. Uh, it was beautiful, but I felt the hurt I saw in Barry's eyes, and I figured her new home would be a cell. Uh, loved it. Legend definitely for me. So he he was digging the episode. Cool. So, but again, uh, you know, to each their own. That's why we like doing those listener, That's why we like doing those listener feedbacks because we love getting the differences of opinion. Mm-hmm. from everybody uh so yeah so flash is on break until april uh april 16th and i don't think they have a synopsis for the next episode as of yet no there's not even a title for it yet it's just listed as episode 518 okay so uh no synopsis and no title to give you uh until uh it comes back uh in a couple weeks uh, so that leaves us with the final episode to talk about this week, that being Supergirl Season 4, Episode 15, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, secretly furloughed from prison due to failing health, Lex Luthor visits his sister Lena to seek her help finding a cure. Savvy as error, Lena is suspicious of Lex's motives, but when she's faced with a life-and-death situation, she must decide how she truly feels about her brother. Meanwhile, Supergirl and John face off against Manchester Black, James's sister Kelly comes to town so where do we start with this because there's a couple things in here i definitely want to bring up we we both give this one a legend it's a potential episode of the year candidate and i think rightfully so but at the same time too i feel like we don't have to talk about too too much um it always seems that's the case i mean again obviously you know i think the big part was let's get lex out of the way uh and then we'll we'll end it on the manchester black of it all and then that final scene Okay. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it, a lot of people, when John Cryer was announced as the casting for Lex Luthor, uh, you and I took the typical, sta- you know, typical stance that we do, and that's the let's wait and see aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I, I know 
I was actually okay with the casting. I had a feeling, you know, that's the point of acting is that you express yourself in different ways. Uh, you know, so you may remember John Cryer from Two and a Half Men or something else. Doesn't mean he can't pull off Lex. So when we finally got to see this, I I'll be completely honest with you. The last two minutes of this episode were a big, and pardon my language, holy shit, that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Moment for the episode. But even in the beginning of the episode, when we get the four years ago in Metropolis and Metropolis under a red sun, mm -hmm. uh, dude, he had me then as Lex. Yes, I, I was fully on board and fully invested myself. And I feel like John Cryer did a great job of kind of playing homage to everybody that's played Lex Luthor. I think he really, really achieved that and still gave the character his own take. Uh, I think that was the best part about him is you could see Michael Rosenbaum, you could see Gene Hackman, you could see Kevin Spacey, you could see Clancy Brown in there, you could see all of them, and then you also saw John Cryer's Lex in the, the midst of all of that as well. And uh, it, yeah, and and, it, and and not to bring up Kevin Spacey in that let's honor Kevin Spacey way, but I mean like he still gave a good performance as Lex Luthor he when did, yeah. he kind of took over for Gene Hackman in Superman Returns. I, I think. We got a little bit of all of them, and I think that was the best part about his Lex to kick it off before he he really proved his mettle. So, well, I mean, it's it's interesting too. I don't know if you have either one of these in your news stories too, but two of the things I read about John Cryer uh, taking the role as Le of Lex is that one he took the role without reading the script. Yep, he got he, he you know I think they offered him the role, and when he when it was Lex, he was like, yep. Don't even need to read the script. He took it sight unseen. Uh, and then the other th I, thing I read, too, is that after that episode aired, Michael Rosenbaum actually tweeted about how amazing he thought John Cryer was as Lex mm -hmm. Luthor. Oh, yeah. You know, so for somebody who played Lex Luthor for almost 10 years in Smallville to come out and say it as well, because, I mean, let's be real. When it comes to Lex Luthor, there are three actors that come to mind for me. Michael Rosenbaum, Gene Hackman, and Kevin Spacey. Um, Eisenberg is nowhere near the top of the list for me. I'm sorry for people who liked Batman v Superman. Well, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Eisenberg's I, not even registering on that list. I, I, I kind of ignore that one too. I mean, I would definitely put Clancy Brown in there because again, he just did a stunning job voicing yeah. that character in the animated uh, Bruce Timverse as well. I mean, I think they all play these beautiful versions of that character, and uh, I, I, I think. Cryer is going to stand the test of time as well as uh, a favorite version of Lex Luthor for a lot of people. Yeah, because he he was. I mean, and even like it, he does so well with those like you could tell just by the fact that he took the role sight unseen without reading the script. You knew this was something he was excited to do and he was going to put his all into it. And even in that opening scene of Metropolis, the little subtle nuances just screamed Lex. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a particular part where the Metropolis PD are flying outside in in a chopper, and he literally just looks up, pushes that button on his watch, the chopper explodes, and he's just like, "Where was I?" Yeah, like just those nuances were brilliant, and he portrayed them so fantastically. Oh yeah, and even honestly, and the thing is, I. I forget what review I read of it. And I want to say it might even even have been IGN where it was as simple as uh, his portrayal was a villain you love to hate and then hate to love. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That's hitting the nail on the head 
because they made his relationship and they they did it the best way is by framing his character purely by the relationship of him and Lena without really having to do anything else because uh, that's where all of his interactions were and w- who they were with. And I thought that was the best part about it is it was all through the eyes of his sister who hates him but still kind of idolizes him. Yeah. I mean, and you, you bring up a good point of, you know, the villain you love to hate but hate to love. Uh, you know, that screams in that final that final scene with him. Oh, yeah. We'll go into more detail about that later towards the end of the conversation. But, you know, I just remember watching that scene and thinking he is an evil man. But holy shit, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And we can even talk about that scene is when we see that quick moment where, you know, like we find out he's dying of cancer from kryptonite poisoning. Yeah. Um, very a la the classic comics, you know. But the fact that all of this is going on and, you know, this 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 officer that's beating the crap out of him is not some officer. <laughs> it's They're using Lena's tech that they use to, to mask the aliens and it's Otis. Um, and I love the fact that by the end of it, too, we see Miss Tessmacher coming in as the one and we find out she's the one that shot James at the request of Lex. So it would force Lena to finish the Heronel project and find a way to save Jimmy. And at the same time, saving Lex. Uh, and it was all this was orchestrated perfectly. But I love the fact by the end of this, we have Otis, Miss Tessmacher, all and together. Lex Luthor yeah. all together leaving in this classic moment that felt like it was out of the classic like Christopher Reeve Superman film. Yep, and that's exactly was, how I felt watching it too. And it felt like it belonged right there along with it. The same way that we look at Tyler Hoechlin and Mike, that feels like Christopher Reeves again. Um, it feels like these versions of the characters that we truly love and really honor uh, are honored to have, you know, portraying these these classic characters. And they they did a beautiful job achieving that. And I I just felt like a just happy, stupid idiot grinning ear to ear during every moment that he was on screen this episode. And yeah, that end by no stretch of the imagination was any less than stellar. Yeah. And I I kind of feel like it's almost a little bit of a disappointment that we're probably not going to get Tyler Hoechlin coming back. Uh, um, not this year. Not this year. Really. Yeah, not this year to, to face Lex. But if done right, um, you know, I could see Lex being an overarching character for the future. I mean, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling he's probably going to end up back in prison by the end of this season. Yeah. Uh, but that's not to say he still can't be an influence in this show going forward. I mean, cause as we know from this episode, he's been, he's been there and working, pulling the strings, even while he was dying of cancer in prison. Yeah. So, you know, now that he's cured of cancer, uh, you know, thanks to the Harinel, uh, even if he's locked up behind bars again, by the end of the season, he could still potentially be a big part of the future of the series. And I really hope he is. Uh, yeah, and even if they, I think you know what the way that they should use him is just use him sparingly, yeah. Use him carefully in the right way so we never get tired of him. Let him kind of loom large in the background and use him when it, the time is right. I think the same way that they use Superman is the same way they're going to use Lex. Yeah, which which would be. So, all, I think we're going to see him for a handful of episodes before yeah. this season ends. Yeah, we're going to get a lot more of him than we've gotten so far of Clark. But I think the way that they're going to use him is they're going to use him very carefully and and cautiously. And I think. They're not, he's not going to be in an episode unless they feel like he has to be in an episode. So. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, we, we kind of already touched on it again, so we don't really have to, I guess we don't really have to save it. But yeah, the final scene, 
um, you know, just had me uh, th- from the first time I watched it. And I've actually gone back and watched those last couple minutes a couple of times already just because of how amazing I thought they were. Uh, everything of just you're right. It felt so reminiscent of the Christopher Reeve Superman when we finally got Otis, Miss Tessmacher and Lex together. Uh, the prediction, as you mentioned, that I made last week was that Eve Tessmacher was the one that shot Jimmy. Um, you know, and you made the joking prediction that Otis was still alive and he turned out to actually really still be alive. Yeah. Uh, you know, so when both of those things came to fruition, I was already excited. And then when we see the moments when him and Otis are leaving the mansion and we get one, him, all the lasers killing all the agents, you know, was just great. And then at the very end, in true Lex Luthor style, conducting the mines as they are going off mm-hmm. is just, God, like he's not, uh, this episode is not only a contender for best episode of the season, uh, but John Cryer as Lex is probably a strong candidate for best new character of the season. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Without question. Yeah. So. Uh, um, I guess the only other really big point is while everything's happening and James is in the hospital before Elena is able to go in and uh, kind of save him, um, we do see that Manchester Black is kind of posturing pretty hardcore to call John out. And uh, we do see that come to blows at the National City Dam, uh, which results in John killing Manchester Black, which yeah. was uh, – you know what, though? I will say this uh, – it. I kind of feel like it was a perfect ending for his character. It was this great moment to kind of push John over the edge because that's all he wanted. He just wanted to push him over the edge and see his tr- that true version that was in there, kind of. Well, and, and I think you're right. I think it's a it's a great ending for Manchester Black because even though he died, he still won. He still won, yeah. And it, it, it's, it, it, it played perfectly, and I think it would have been a little bit too much to balance to try to handle Ben Lockwood – President Tron, um, Lex Luthor, <laughs> and the Red Daughter, and Manchester Black. I think it would have been a little bit too much, and I think they were able to use Manchester to position John in an interesting way, which is the one thing I think this season has done a great job of, is, is shaking up formulas uh, consistently yeah. uh, between you know Kara and Alex. Uh, now, John's role in the world uh, to what he is now from where he was at the start of the season. And... Now, even all these other little pieces that are happening. And I think all this is working great. I think this was so, so carefully crafted this entire season. And I think they haven't missed a beat yet. Yeah. And I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what this does to John's character uh, and moving him forward. Because it was, it was an interesting playoff, too, that when, you know, not only that, everybody automatically assumed that Manchester was the one responsible for shooting Jimmy. And I think rightfully so um you know they the writing was done so well that yeah that was uh it played it out that it probably made most people assume that it was manchester that was responsible for it we made the prediction last week that it was eve tessmacher but we smart we 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 super smart (laughs) we yeah we smart (laughs) we am Um, we, we am smart so, so, yeah, but I think the writing was done well enough to make you believe that it could be Manchester, and, and rightfully so. Because we do see at one point everybody kind of blaming themselves for not stepping for not stopping Manchester. You know, uh, Nia says that she should have been able to see this in her dreams. Brainy feels that with him having the ring, it's his responsibility, and Manchester being the one 
more I, than anybody. I feel like I got a nod to uh, Brainiac had, had had some great scenes this week. He did. It was really amazing to watch Jesse Rath um, kind of get the chance to really emote really heavily and uh, for all of that to play off. But in addition to that, though, too, the stuff between Carr and Alex was incredibly just beautiful and touching, too, of watching what that was like for Alex kind of, you know, being disappointed in her sister and Kara feeling like she had to continue this ruse where as brutal as it was trying to do something and all these little pieces. Uh, but some beautiful scenes between, I think, everybody that, that did this. But, I, you know, I think without question, you know, again, Jesse Rath was a, it was a huge part. But I mean, Katie McGrath and John Cryer definitely take the top honors for just amazing on-screen chemistry this week. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's interesting now that, you know, that Manchester is gone, so you're right. They, they've wrapped up the Manchester storyline, but there are still so many elements left of this season. You know, as you mentioned, Ben Lockwood, we have Red Daughter, which, we, as you mentioned, we haven't watched this week's episode of Supergirl yet, and she plays a, a very big part in this week's episode of Supergirl. So we're going to see how that plays out, and I've, we know that Lex and Red Daughter actually meet in this episode. Well, more than that, so... Well, see, I yeah, and I haven't seen it yet, so, so I haven't either. But I, I do know a little bit of what what's to come. Okay, uh, I don't. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but you're right. We still have the red daughter element. We have Lex. We have Ben Lockwood, um, and what was I think there was one other President Tron and, and President <laughs> Tron. That's it. I don't know him as any other name now than President Tron because of you, President President Baker. But it's President Tron. Now. It's President it Tron. Yes, we we made that decree when he first showed up. And it is it is going to hold forever. <laughs> he will only be President Trump. I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. Probably much to the chagrin of Bruce Bruce, uh, Bruce Boxlitner. <laughs> so <laughs> now I I want to. I'm curious if you notice that there is a particular uh, part of this episode that was very reminiscent of Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, I'm wondering if you picked up on it. Uh, I can't recall offhand. Um, it is the dam. The dam set was actually the same one used in the pilot of Legends of Tomorrow. That is the first battle that the Legends of Tomorrow have is at a dam. Very cool. So they were able to reuse a set that they haven't used, uh, in a while. Yeah. So, uh, and apparently too, one of the other things, um, that I'm noticing too, just looking at a couple of the things here. This is the first live action adaptation of Lex Luthor to have facial hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also seeing too, uh, John Cryer was the first and only choice for Lex Luthor when it came to uh, when it came to this season. And the only other thing I'm seeing here too is Manchester Black was originally going to be the main antagonist of the fourth season uh, before they decided to bring in uh, Lex Luthor. Very cool. So. Very awesome. Great yeah. episode, though. Yes. Oh, my God. Again, contender for episode of the year and most likely will be a nominee uh, for mm-hmm. that when the primary awards come around. Uh, so that the episode has already aired for us here as we're talking about it. Uh, but the House of L is this past is this current week's episode of Supergirl. In the wake of Lex Luthor's return, the show flashes back to what he's been doing for the last two years and how his secret uh Uh, Secret plans have affected Supergirl and Lena. So uh, we'll be watching that at some point this week. Again, next week, we only have Supergirl and Arrow to talk about as Flash is on break. Uh, But, uh, man, 
Listener feedback? There is none this week. Okay. Cool. Uh, All right. So, so let's jump into the news. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm thinking, give me a second, because I'm thinking... Let's start feedback from last week. From last week, yes. I have to go back (laughs) and look um, and see what that was, because I was looking. There's no listener feedback yet from this week, Uh, but I have to go back and look at that. See, that was the mistake I made, was I didn't go far enough back. I got confused because we're recording, you know, recording the day late, um, which is fine, but going back... And looking at listener feedback from last week. Come on, a little faster. Thank you. Um, yeah, there's actually quite a few comments on here. Uh, Michael Franks says, John Cryer was absolutely amazing with his portrayal of Lex Luthor. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of his version of Lex. Uh, our buddy Shad said it in perfect style. Holy dot, 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 crap. Uh, Matt Marble says John is making an amazing Lex. Uh, Shad also says, so my biggest concern with John Cryer with Lex Luthor from the very beginning was his voice. John Cryer just doesn't carry the grandeur that I associate with Lex Luthor, although admittedly I'm probably just spoiled on Clancy Brown. That attitude, however, sweet crispy crap on a cracker, does John Cryer have that Lex Luthor attitude in droves? I need Lex to be a present in some way for every season going forward, even if it's just for one of two episodes. And I think we're going to get that too. Uh, uh, Odessa says, hoping they keep John on for a while. Who says he only has to be a Superman villain only? Last night proved he's the real deal. And listener Becky Davis says, why couldn't John been part of this whole season? Uh, Finally, Joy Winstead said, John did a great job. So, Across the board, man, all of our listeners agree John Cryer is a fantastic Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. And we cannot agree more. Indeed. So, uh, all right. With that right. being said, let's talk about some DC news. Uh, so, DC adjacent, but it, this <laughs> one was something small that made me smile. Uh, there was a great first meeting today of the soon to be unemployed support uh, actor support group. Uh, and that was a photo that was on Stephen Amell's Instagram of Jared Padalecki <laughs> and him sipping some wine for, as they said, their first inaugural uh, meeting of actors soon to be un- uh, unemployed. Uh, and obviously, for those of you who aren't in the know, uh, Jared Padalecki, Misha Collins, and Jensen Eccles and made the announcement last week that Supernatural is finally ending. <laughs> so, Season 15 will be the last. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, our hats go off to them for keeping a show running that long, which is a, is a testament to the fans and the writers. You know, what's, you know, what's funny too, is one of the things I didn't mention about Arrow this week, um, uh, a little tidbit in case anybody didn't know it, James Banford was the director of the episode, but his daughter, uh, was actually the youngest version of Mia training with, uh, training with Nessa. Uh, cool. So the very young version was him. But, you know, on the on the note real quick of Stephen uh, posting on Twitter and having fun with it, there's been such a tonal difference in Stephen's posts since making the announcement that Arrow is coming to an end that you can feel like he kind of has kind of lifted. Yeah, yeah, he has this huge weight lifted off his shoulder. He's posting pictures of him with his daughter. He's posting pictures. He went bungee jumping for the first time this past week to because he's had a fear of it, and now he's getting over that fear. He's posted a picture of him and his wife, um, Cass, out and just, like, having a great time, like, on vacations. He, you're, It just feels like there's such this weight lifted off his shoulders since making that announcement. 
Very cool. All right, jumping into some real news here. So let's start with Supergirl. Uh, John Cryer did talk a little tiny bit, and, uh, you know, everybody was kind of questioning and wondering if we might see the Lexo suit return uh, in Supergirl. And he said, there might be a little bit of that. And then he's like, can I say that? He mostly uses his mind and his manipulative and all, but we do have some of that stuff. Yay! So so it sounds like we're going to be seeing some classic Lex stuff. So... Hopefully, we'll be seeing that suit. Um, I don't know if we'll see him in it, but uh, we'll see. I'm very excited. Um, jumping into some Legends of Tomorrow news, which is so happy. It's, it's, I'm so happy to say that. Yeah. Uh, but if you haven't had the opportunity, we see one of the best mid-season uh, sizzle trailers <laughs> of all it. time, uh, which starts off with... Uh, I, Gary dressed as the Flash. <laughs> um, and then we also see, of course, Nate dressed up as Arrow and Sarah dressed up as Supergirl. And it just ends with all of them. It's like, we should have been in the crossover. <laughs> so, uh, But they have so much fun with that mid-season uh, sizzle reel. And I'm incredibly excited. So uh, if you're a fan of that show, um, I, all I have to say is, and they even say it in, in, in the, the little taglines that run throughout that, praise Bebo. Legends returns next week. So I can't wait. Uh, jumping into some DC Universe stuff. Let's talk a tiny little bit about season two of Titans as we have two new pieces of casting. Uh, first, we found out that Jericho is going to be joining into the fray as one of the Titans. Uh, we have been no- uh, we've known for a little bit of time that Deathstroke is coming into the mix, uh, which is obviously being played by Simon Morales. Uh, but we found out that Chella Man has been cast as Joseph Wilson, a.k.a. Jericho. Chella Man uh, got, uh, you know, his his real kind of break as a YouTube personality uh, and also a model. And uh, which they is very interesting, too, because, uh, you know, Chella Man is actually a uh, is a deaf actor. Uh, and like I said, for those of you not familiar with Chella Man, there's also somebody that's gone through gender dysphoria and has actually gender transitioned back um, and kind of for the world to see through uh, the YouTube channel as well. So uh, so uh, our, another trans actor kind of joining into the fray. So really awesome to see that continuation of representation of actors yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, in the DC family. So really fantastic to see that playing out, but really, really cool and exciting to see that we're having Jericho. But not only Jericho, but Jericho's sister, Rose Wilson, a.k.a. Ravenger, is going to be also joining the fray in season two uh, from Disney Channel actress Chelsea Zhang is going to be joining into the mix. So uh, so she was previously from Andy Mack. So like I said, we'll be seeing her join in the fray as well as another Titan. So very cool to see that play out. Uh, jumping into the TV universe, uh, we got a tiny little bit of news uh, surrounding a, a classic Batman film and a upcoming Batman film. Uh, the small one, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, actually, while rooting around, had actually found her old whip when she played, um, you know, previously Selena Kyle in Bruce. Uh, bah, Batman Bruce Returns. Tim. Bruce <laughs> Tim, Tim Burton. I, I like I said, I wanted to say Bruce Wayne and then Bruce Tim, and then I was trying to say Tim Burton, but in Tim <laughs> Burton's Batman Returns. So, uh, but kind of a little uh, cool little piece there because again. The movie, it's crazy to think, was quite a long time ago. That was over 25 years ago, 30 years ago now. So, so pretty crazy. Yeah, what was, uh, 92, I think, was Batman uh, Returns? I think it was 1992. Um, I, sorry, it, the movie has celebrated its 27 years recently. Yeah, 1992. So, 1992, so. Uh, but um, jumping back to the future here, uh, but we're still talking about the 90s. It sounds like the Batman 
which is yet still to be titled, but we're still calling it the Batman movie. Um, the one that we do know officially that is in the works. Well, Matt Reeves has kind of made it sound like it's where that movie is going to be taking place in the 1990s. So very kind of cool that we're going to be seeing this kind of trend continue. So, uh, so we do and have been hearing rumblings that this is a Batman early on in his career that is going to be focusing on the detective side. It's going to have a little bit of a noir, uh, noir twist. Uh, now we know it's the 90s, and it sounds like it's going to be going in front of characters probably in December. So, But that is it for the news for this week. Yeah, not a lot again this week. No. Um, you know what, though? It's getting to things be Things are going to be quiet. Yeah, know? they're going to start saving a lot of announcements and things like that for – uh, you know, uh, for San Diego Comic-Con coming this summer and, and such. So, um, yeah, we're getting into a quiet time now. Seasons are starting to wrap up, so there's not a lot of castings for these shows. It's usually not until the summer that the news will start picking up again. Yeah, and really the big thing, too, to remind everybody, in two weeks, Shazam will be coming out to the theaters. Yeah, so. I'm excited. Um, I'm actually, I think I'm seeing it. I know I have tickets already to that Thursday night show. Uh, I actually had an opportunity to see it this week, but because usually you and I do go to advanced screenings of mm -hmm. a lot of these DC shows, but uh, the screening that they offered this week was at a theater that I'm not relatively comfortable going to. Uh, I know that theater. Yes, um, <laughs> and unfortunately, the, the the company that offers a lot of the screenings that I go to, they're starting to do a lot of screenings at that theater rather than the one that you and I usually go to, and mm -hmm. it's been kind of disappointing because I just... It's not necessarily because of the neighborhood. It's because there's been a lot of complaints about this theater, and I just don't want to go. Plus, I would have felt because the the fact that you and I go to a lot of them together, it's not one that you would be you would have been able to make it to because of how far away it is. Right. So I wouldn't have wanted to go without. Well, I you. will see it eventually, but I will say this: in case I don't get an opportunity to see it in the theater, you will still give your review on the show. Yes, so. yeah, and, and like I said, I have tickets for. I think it opens what April fifth. April fifth, um, and I have tickets. I already have tickets to see it April fourth, uh, that Thursday night. So cool. uh, I will see it in that week. So that's two weeks from now. I'll be able to give uh, what I thought. But the advan the advanced reviews are phenomenal. Yes, they right are now. I think on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's at like a a ninety eight. Right uh, I think it's down to a 92 or a 93, but that's, still. Uh, that's very... still really well for for a DC film. Yes. So, ah, stop using that. Got to shake that. DCEU. No, no, what? just stop using for a DC film. Oh, okay. Sorry. It drives yeah. me nuts. Sorry. I, I love everybody, but it, it has nothing to do with where it's from. It's a movie. That's true. Okay. <laughs> it's no. a good movie or it's not a good movie. Good point. Okay. You, you are correct, <laughs> sir. You are correct. <laughs> Uh, cool. So with that being said, any recommendations for this week? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to recommend a new show on Netflix that is only going to take about three hours, maybe three and a half hours of your time. Uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend. And it's not going to be for everybody. I will openly admit this is Love, Death and Robots. Uh, if you're a fan of 90s MTV in the form of things like Liquid Television or the classic film Heavy Metal, then this is for you. Uh, fair warning. Uh, there is some really gratuitous, unnecessary nudity um, that I think some it might turn off some people. And I will say there is 
I've definitely seen some people think that there is a little over over amount of violence towards women, and I can see that there as well. But in the vein of what it was and is, um, I was still really blown away by it. I think uh, looking past those those flaws, uh, very very cool. But again, very very adult. Uh, this is not something to watch with your kids. Okay. Um, but a really awesome um, kind of experiment. And it's by David Fincher, uh, if that gives you any idea. So uh, I, I, but, yeah, I've seen a number of people post about it and I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, uh, I very, very fantastic, though. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, a couple couple stylistic things I wasn't the, the happiest about. But uh, this is uh, this is a real, true, wonderful kind of feat that I was very surprised about. And uh, some amazing, amazing shorts in there. Uh, because, again, if you're not familiar with things like liquid television and heavy metal and stuff like that, obviously heavy metal going back much further than than things like, uh, uh, tw- you know, not twisted metal, <laughs> <laughs> uh, than liquid television. Then, uh, yes, this is very much stylistically done as different animation sh- animated shorts. Uh, dealing with a lot of cyberpunk kind of ideas and a lot of ideas kind of built around, again, the concept of love, death, and robots. Um, so it's it's very true to its word and what it's trying to do. But uh, really some really fun humoristic ones that are some of them narrated by people like Maurice LaMarche, some of them that are just true, just amazing just feats that are twisted and messed up and horror-filled and just really cool. So. It sounds almost kind of Animatrix-ish. Well, Animatrix was kind of done as an homage to things like liquid television and heavy metal. So, yes. Okay, so fair comparison. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Uh, My recommendation for this week is uh, I actually went to theaters last week to see a movie I have been highly anticipating since I first saw the trailer. uh, And that was I went to go see Jordan Peele's Us which uh, I am a huge horror buff. And while it was not a movie that made me jump, um, you know, like as horror movies usually do, that's something that is very difficult to make me do in theaters because I'm so desensitized to horror. Uh, But I really enjoyed the story and I really enjoyed a lot of the twists that were in the movie as well. After watching Get Out and seeing Us, uh, I'm very interested now to see what Jordan Peele does with the Twilight Zone, which is going to be coming out, I think, in April. Uh, yeah, to um, the, the very first week of April. Uh, so just right around the corner. So, yeah, we've got uh, God, we've got a really awesome week of television uh, upon us. We've got this week. What we do in the shadows comes yes. out. I believe, tom- I believe that's tomorrow night, if memory serves correctly. Uh, if not uh, Wednesday night, it's one of the two. Uh, but we have what we do in the shadows. Uh, we've got Game of Thrones kicking off this coming Sunday. Uh, and then we have, um, last but not least, um, The Legends of Tomorrow returns. And then the same week, we've got uh, Twilight Zone kicks Twilight off. Twilight Zone kicks so, off, yeah. So it's a really just awesome week of shows. Uh, I'm really, really anticipating this. So. Yeah, but if, you, if you're a fan of... because uh, And that's the other thing, too, was we got, uh, uh, we got a Jordan Peele mention in Arrow this week. Uh, you know, when they say vin- when she said it's time for like a vintage movie weekend, you know, Jordan Peele marathon. I'm mm-hmm. like, is Jordan Peele vintage in 2040? Like, seriously? Like, I, yeah, it is, I guess, 20 years ago. But still, like, I guess it would be kind of vintage. Sorry. <sighs> yeah. But again, away from Arrow. Uh, yeah. If you if you enjoy horror, mil- horror movies and you like to get out, I highly recommend going to see us. It was a lot of it was uh, a lot of fun to watch. 
Very so. cool. All right, cheap plugs, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, first and foremost, you can find this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network. Uh, you can find them at Next Level Radio or the Next Level Network.com. Almost went to the old one. Uh, or Facebook.com slash the Next Level Network. And of course, follow us on Facebook if you don't already. Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And as for me, you can find me at the nextlevelnetwork.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. Uh, make sure to check out our last episode that we just did, which was cartoons of the 80s and 90s. And then this coming Monday, we will be recording again. Not tonight, obviously. Yeah. But next Monday, being April 1st, April Fool's Day, we will be recording Disney Part 2, The Mousening, a.k.a. <laughs> uh, the bad parts of Disney. And uh, I would not be surprised if we talk a little bit at length about the recent acquisition of 20th Century Fox. So I very much expect that. So Yes, I'm looking forward to that because I've already counted myself in as the cast on that one. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be a part of that one as well. All right, cool. So, yeah, again, next week, uh, or, yeah, next week's episode, we're going to be talking about this past episode of Supergirl that has already aired for us and Arrow as Flash once again is on break. And then the following week, uh, we only have Supergirl to talk about as well as the returning Legends of Tomorrow, which is going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. uh, With that being said, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you, as always, for being a part of our family and a part of our audience. And until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.